We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. Alex, um, I want to review a couple of our last-minute drafts that we did for the NFBKC uh, before we dig into some of the larger trends that we saw, you know, from ourselves more than anything in draft season. You know, players that we we ended up targeting, players that we ended up avoiding, whether we did that intentionally or not. Uh, then we'll get into some of our notes from Bucks Nets and Lakers Warriors last night. We both watched uh, each of those games, and then we'll look ahead a little bit to. Uh, this monster, uh, I think it's what, 11 games slate uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, but let's let's go back to our NFBKC drafts. We were in two separate leagues in the Rotowire Online Championship. Uh, I drafted at, I think, 7 o'clock on Sunday. I think yours was an hour or two later. Uh, we have not really discussed our teams at all yet. I, I wrote up a brief recap on the site, um, so maybe you check that out. Uh, but I, I don't know how your team t- turned out. I don't know how you feel about it. So I, I'm much more curious uh, to hear how you think yours went. Well, after one day of NBA basketball, I am ranked eighth in the total NFPKC rankings. Obviously, I plan on taking home the the whole thing. No, I, uh, I that's only because I have Curry and LeBron. Um, yeah. I think I don't really know another year where you would have ended up with Curry and LeBron with your first two picks. Um, and I also have um, who would I have as my third player that that played? I don't even remember Wiggins, maybe. Um, yeah. No, Westbrook. Westbrook oh. in this league. I know. I uh, got him in the fourth round. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, I feel uh, pretty decent about this team. Like I said, Curry and LeBron off the top. Um, I think I had the third pick overall. Okay. Uh, so, LeBron with a very late second round pick was good. And, um, yeah, how do you feel about your team? Uh, so, I actually also picked third in my league. I also took okay. Curry first. Uh, <laughs> and then I... I passed on LeBron. I, to be totally wow. honest, I didn't really realize he was still available. Like I, I had, I'd set my cue, you know, like midway through the first round after I took Curry. Um, and I should note, uh, Jokic went first and then Luka Doncic went second. So I was basically picking between Curry and Harden to a lesser degree, Towns, Lillard, Giannis, those guys. Uh, but I went with Curry. I've, I've really very rarely uh, had Curry on any fantasy roster. So it's kind of a rare opportunity uh, to, to get a guy who gives you such a huge advantage in three. So I was happy with that. You're going to like this, I guess. I, I took SGA in the second round nice. um, You know, on, on the back end of that one. Uh, Lamella Ball went the pick before him. Uh, Fred Van Bleet was off the board. Adebayo, Sabonis, Levine, et cetera. Um, so, I, you know, I, I didn't feel great about it. Honestly, I, I instantly regretted not taking LeBron. I didn't put him in my queue <laughs> because I assumed he would be gone, and then he wasn't. And the crazy thing is he lasted eight more picks. Uh, actually, no, more than that, because it's third round reversal. I think he lasted like 10 more picks. 
I, I almost ended up getting him in the third round. He went two picks before me uh, where I ended up grabbing Jalen Brown at the end of the third. Um, so I, I don't want to like count this on the fly, but essentially LeBron went like 30 something in this draft. So like mid, mid, right, in, right in the middle of the third round. Um, I, 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 w- I felt bad, you know, about myself passing on him, but it, I guess it made me feel a little bit better that like eight more people also passed on him in a row. Right. Yeah. I think, um, you, you and I already had some pretty big differences in our draft. Like LaMelo ball went 14th in my draft. Um, wow which is like, I guess, a full round earlier than where he went in your draft. Um, but yeah, I picked up Tobias Harris in the third round. Um, probably should have went with OG Anganobi, but I also, like, Tobias Harris is one of the most steady players in the NBA. And with the Ben Simmons situation, plus Joel Embiid's injury history, like, Tobias Harris is going to be the best player on the 76ers uh, on the court a lot of nights. Um, yeah, and then Westbrook in the fourth. Then I went Rozier, Lowry... Mike Conley, I, I have Al Horford in three leagues. I just keep grabbing him with like the eighth or ninth pick or like in auction leagues. <laughs> was that, uh, was that the plan going into the year? That has never was definitely not the plan. I was like, I'm getting all the Al Horford I can. Um, but I feel like I just keep getting him on a discount, and I think he's going to play 30 minutes a game for the for the Celtics, and they have no plans to rest him. So, I mean, I think the chances he finishes inside the top 80 are, are pretty good. And on a lot of sites, he's power forward and center eligible, which boosts his value up kind of just because of that. Yeah, he's not going to play in the opener on Wednesday night, but it, it, it does sound like he's going to be their starting power forward or center, depending on how you look at it uh, between he and Robert Williams when, when he's healthy. So I, I don't mind that at all. I mean, it's not like a super exciting name, but if you're landing him in the eighth, ninth, tenth round, um, that's totally fine. My relevant guys, I, I finished out with, so I went Curry, SGA, Jalen Brown, three guards with my first three picks. That was, that was not the plan, but I, I, I really <laughs> like Jalen Brown. I, I didn't really have him anywhere else, um, so I wanted to grab him. And the other, I mean, the other guy I was considering was Devin Booker, so I would have been in the same conundrum, you know, as far as taking another guard. I was hoping to get Tobias Harris in the fourth. Uh, he ended up going one pick before me, so I grabbed Miles Turner. Uh, and then I ended up with a guy who I think I have on like three or four teams now in Siakam in the fifth round. I, I know he's going to miss probably the first two or three weeks of the year, but I, I, I'm just high on him. I think it's going to be a bounce back, and I, I think he's become underrated. So I got Siakam in the fifth, Jared Allen in the sixth, Andrew Wiggins in the seventh, Chris Boucher in the eighth, Alexander Walker in the ninth, and then, of course, R.J. Barrett in the tenth. <laughs> uh, I think we, we both have the same view on Siakam. I have Siakam in at least two leagues. I feel like people are just completely undervaluing him, especially yeah. early in the year. Like, Early in the year, there's always a good waiver wire pickup, and you can just kind of make up for the fact that he's not playing for the first like three weeks of the season if you're smart with your waivers. Right. So not too worried about that. Um, yeah, I like I like that string of names for you. I ended up getting I have I have a couple of guys that are like out right away to start the year um, in Horford, and I grabbed Jonathan Isaac um, at pick 106. It, it's after pick 100, so who cares? Because he can be like a top 40 player if he actually stays healthy, um, at least on a per-game basis, just because he was 34th like two seasons ago. Um, and I keep ending up with Thad Young in a ton of leagues because I don't know what's going on with the Spurs, but he could play like 28 minutes, and if he does that, he'll be relevant. Um, last two picks, I went Rubio and Jeremy Lamb. So my, I guess my, yeah. my main concern, which has happened to me like multiple times this draft season, is I, just, I, I realize like in the ninth round, I'm like, oh my God, I... I literally do not have any centers on my roster. Right. So, and this is a problem in a two center league, obviously. So my, my center rotation in a two center league is Kem Birch, Larry Nance, Sergi Baca, Al Horford, which is a problem. Okay. And those are definitely centers. I mean, there's no two ways about that. <laughs> they qualify. Um, yeah. It, well, it is tough. I mean, there, it's a premium position in general. And yeah, like you said, in this league, especially, you know, you want, you want to have at least one center that you feel great about. And then another guy who at least is fairly dependable, but I don't know. I mean, you, you could kind of, I, I guess in your case, not really pump the position, but you know, if you, if you show everything else up, um, you know, that way you don't necessarily feel terrible about it. I, I, I finished up my draft with my final five picks were Jay Sean Tate, Will Barton, Matisse Thibel, Reggie Bullock, and, and another center and his canter. Um, I don't, I don't really love any of those guys. I, I do think Barton is a little undervalued just because yeah. I think he's going to start every game that he's healthy and, and play a ton of minutes. Um, but I, I tried to target like specific categories. Um, you know, if I fall behind in steals, I could throw Thibel in there for a week. 
Um, you know, if I need threes, Reggie Bullock. If I need rebounds, Ennis Cantor. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like Cantor doesn't have quite as much upside this year. And it's not like he's ever been like this crazy upside guy, but he's he's typically a backup. And you always know that there's going to be a two or three week span where he's starting and just giving you like 15 and 15 every night. But I, I do think now it's going to require two injuries, you know, to Horford and Robert Williams for him to, to have that kind of opportunity. Right. I still don't mind that pick. I mean, he's got to be if he's a third string singer, he's the best third string singer in the league. I mean, a lot of people are also right. grabbing Andre Drummond and Hassan Whiteside for the same reasons you're talking about. Yep. Um, and I definitely like your Will Barton pick. I think he could be one of the biggest sleepers of the season, too. Like he's finished top 70 before, I think, or top 80 per game. Yep. So if you can get him after pick 100, I know he's, he's he has an injury history, stuff like that. But again, after pick 100, it's kind of like anything goes. You're mm-hmm. shooting for upside. So I think that's a that's a really good pick. And I, I wish I had Barton on more teams. Yeah, I mean, again, not not somebody that you're going to be super excited about, but I, I do think there's some stability there. And, you know, I got him in the on the end of the 13th round. Um, so I, I felt like there was pretty low risk. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six U.S. states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding nationwide. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. All you have to do is download the WinBet app right now. That's WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. I'm a little worried about Drew Holiday, and we'll, we'll talk about Bucks Nets later on. But bruised heel, he leaves that game in the first half. We we still don't have a timetable. Uh, MRI was negative. I don't I don't really know what you're you're doing an MRI on in that situation. I guess there could be like Achilles damage. Um, but I, I'm expecting him to miss at least a couple weeks, which is uh, that that could be fairly tragic early on for my stake league team. That is going to be a problem. Um, yeah. I don't know who's on your bench in your in your stake league team, but. Uh, you're just well, going to bring it up. Of... I, I don't I don't recall having like a super deep bench in that league. Uh, I know St- I know Seth Curry is on it. Um, oh, so he's okay. going to be he's going to be springing into action here. He might actually take a lot of shots, though, with Ben. I mean, I don't yeah. know how long Ben Simmons is going to be out, but they might actually just right. try to use Seth Curry more, just right. more in general. Yeah, I got pretty limited depth here. This is the league where I grab Clay Thompson and just have him sitting in IR. Um, so I, I do have, I do have a spot that I can fill on the bench still. And I, I will be doing that. Of course. Um, I do have Tim Hardaway. I mean, I guess that's not like the worst plug-in for a week or two, but uh, that the drop off from Drew Holiday to, to Tim Hardaway is not one that I was hoping to have to make uh, like eight minutes into the NBA season. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, my, my stake league team, I realized that again, I have no centers really in my stake mm-hmm. league team. And I'm, I'm pretty confident in my team in general. Like I'm projected to finish fourth. But I'm projected to finish first in assists and steals and second in free throw percentage. So my team is completely imbalanced. Um, mm-hmm. I was considering looking around for like rebounds and just like some big men. I saw you at Bam Adebayo. I do. And I have Jimmy Butler. And now you're down Drew Holiday. That Keep is true. Mind. Keep an open mind. I don't know. Uh, if well, having... where is, is, uh, is Jimmy Butler a shooting guard? Eligible or is he just forward? Um, I'll have to look that up. Okay, he should be guard eligible. Okay, well, get get back to me on that. I don't know. I will. We, we can we, we can negotiate trades off air. Um, <laughs> uh, he's, I, uh, he's a for, he's a forward and a guard. So yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, I'd be I'd be willing to discuss. I would prefer to keep Bam, but we'll see what the what the news is on holiday. Hopefully, we get something more definitive today. Uh, I did another draft on Monday night. I, I picked seventh in a. Kind of, I wouldn't say hometown league, but you know, college friends league. 
Um, so, you know, not not quite as serious as some of the other ones we've been doing. You know, a little bit more of a uh, Bucks slant. You know, Bobby Portis was like a top 100 player in this draft. Not sure that should have happened. Okay. Uh, but it's it's a nine-category, 10-team head-to-head uh, roto scoring league. Pick seventh, and uh, I went with Jason Tatum. Um, ended up with Bam Adebayo again in that league. Tobias Harris, CJ McCollum, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam again, Andrew Wiggins again, Darius Garland, Tyler Hero, Daniel Gafford, um, Duncan Robinson, Alperin Shangoon, and uh, oh, Joe Harris was my final pick. I, I think you could easily win that league. <laughs> I would hope so. We'll see. I mean, health health permitting, I've, I've actually struggled in this league the last two years. I've, okay. I've been hit with extreme bad luck on the Juice of Nurkic front. Um, so he, he was on my do not draft list for this one, but yeah, I, I didn't love picking seventh. I felt like all like the truly elite options were off the board, but, uh, you know, to, I, I was pretty happy with my, my first six of Tatum, Bam, Tobias, McCollum, Ananobi, Siakam. Right. Seven is, is a tough spot this year. Yep. Um, I was kind of hoping to draft anywhere from like the one to five range. Um, but yeah, it's tough. I mean, Tatum, he's not really a reach at seven. I mean, no, I kind of between like so. Tatum and Durant, Trey Young are kind of all in that group. So, right. I thought about Towns. I I probably would have went Towns, but I can't blame you. I I don't know. I'm not as versed in nine cat, so right. I can't offer a real opinion on that. Yeah, yeah. I well, I really wanted Lillard, um, and he went one spot ahead of me, so I ended up ended up settling on Tatum. Um, and then I, I was kind of hoping to go Tatum and Trey Young or Tatum and Paul George, but both of those guys went early second round. So, you know, always, always kind of happy to have Bam fall into my lap, but, um, I don't know. I mean, for as, for as great as Bam is, and like, I love watching him. It, it's just like, I feel like he's like more quietly dominant. You know, he's, he's not going to go off for like 42, 15 and eight one night. You know, it's just like a steady, like 19, 12, two blocks, one steal, three assists every single night. Yeah, I'm a little worried about his assist with Kyle Lowry being there. Yeah. And I think Tyler, Tyler Hero is going to do a lot more playmaking uh, mm. for them because their bench is kind of thin now. But, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, Adebayo is just um, – I mean, he's basically a fringe all-star, right? I mean, those that's the kind of production you get from from those types of guys. Yeah, I was finally happy to get Hero in a league. I, I took him with the 87th pick, so maybe a slight reach, but I don't know. In this league, I, I didn't think he was going to go – or he was going to last like another you know full round – um, but yeah, I, I think I normally, I don't try to reach for like the preseason breakout guys, but I, I feel like this is real. And on top of him looking really good, like you said, there's kind of a built-in opportunity now with, with Miami cleaning out its guard depth. Yeah. Plus, I mean, you have Lowry and Jimmy Butler, both those guys are like, you know, yeah. I mean, how many games are they going to play combined? So I think there'll be a lot of opportunities for hero this season. The new NBA season is underway and Yahoo is excited to kick off daily fantasy basketball. There will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contest now being offered shark-free. To celebrate the beginning of basketball season and Yahoo Daily Fantasy becoming shark-free, Yahoo is giving all users the opportunity to claim a free $10 in site credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 site credit offer to join one of Yahoo's biggest contests. In addition to the free credit, Yahoo will have a Friday main contest as well as single game contests all season long. Play in a single game contest of your choice throughout the week, then join our Friday main contest to compete for our largest cash prize. Play daily fantasy basketball on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to get started. Well, this leads us into our next topic. Um, you know, I, I kind of framed it as like regrets from draft season, but I, I want to do it more as like general trends, you know, guys you ended up targeting guys you ended up avoiding, um, you know, teams you feel good about teams you don't feel good about. And one of those guys for me was Lowry. I, I didn't roster him anywhere. I, I wouldn't say I made a point to avoid him. Like I, I would have taken him, you know, if, if the right value was there, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know he hasn't necessarily been like injury prone, but there's a ton of mileage. You know, he's never a guy that's been in like the greatest shape of his life. Um, he's getting up there in age. Like I, I, I do think he's going to be fine, but at the same time, I wouldn't be shocked if, if this is a year that he either falls off, you know, in terms of skills or falls off physically and plays like 55 games. Uh, I apparently have Kyle Lowry in three leagues according oh, to the okay. my well, league's feature on road. No Lowry. offense then. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Three of my six leagues, uh, feature Kyle Lowry. So, 
Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm with you and where I'm a little worried about his production this season, but my main thing throughout draft season is I'm always trying to get guys and what I feel is like a pretty significant discount. And I think that Kyle Lowry was just being undervalued. Um, like I think the, I think the, the, the pendulum swung too far towards a negative for him. So I ended up scooping him up in a lot of leagues. Um, for me, I mean, like I mentioned before, a lot of my teams are just awful at center. I'm just trying to cobble it together week by week. Um, I guess my, so I have Cur- the guys I have in three of my six leagues are Curry, Wiggins, Lowry, and Horford. Again, none of that on purpose, but it's just kind of how it, it uh, played out. I'm on one hand, I'm kind of worried about Wiggins because of like Jordan Poole's emergence, and then Clay Thompson's going to come back, and I don't know how that's going to work out. Yeah. Um, I guess my main regrets would be like, I don't think I ended up with that many upside guys because again, I just hate like feeling like I'm overpaying. And so, you know, people are like, like uh, Michael Porter Jr. or even Kevin Porter Jr., OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, yeah. like guys that people are that high on. I just don't, I didn't end up with like any of those guys. I feel the same way for sure. I, I tend to not be all that aggressive when it comes to like trying to predict a breakout. You know, it's like, I, I'm happy to just like get that guy a year later once we confirm that he's actually good because I, I mean, it could go either way. Like if you, you know, if, if you reach for, that guy and he finishes 50 spots higher, obviously it works out. But I guess I would, I would almost always rather take the Bam Adebayo, Tobias Harris type where it's like, yeah, I I know there's not really a world in which Tobias Harris finishes as a top 15 player, but I also can't imagine a world where he's not in the top 50. Like, I I guess I would rather have that stability than um, the, you know, the potential for higher upside. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, more of like a meta discussion about like fantasy, but people are saying like, uh, there are no sleepers anymore because there's just so much content about sleepers yeah. and everyone has their projections and everything like that. So I feel like most of these quote unquote sleepers, like everyone knows the range that's appropriate to draft them. So mm-hmm. I don't even feel like you're getting real value on those guys anymore. Like, I feel like you're just banking on them playing as expected. Like, I still think some guys do have room for upside, like Van Vliet, maybe he's a the 15th best player. OG Ananobi, maybe he's a 25th best player instead of the 35th. Yeah. But you can get way better value than that, especially if you're in a, a salary cap league, auction league. Um, if you just wait towards the end rounds and just grab guys who would normally be like, uh, you know, guys who are being drafted like they're, uh, you know, like outside the top 100, but could finish inside the top 70 or something like that. Yeah, exactly. I think you said it where there's just so much knowledge, you know, it's, it's you don't you don't even necessarily have to be like watching every preseason game or watching college games or G League games, you know, to know who these guys are like the word just kind of gets out because there's so much content um, coming out. Like I, I experienced that with Trey Murphy or like some leagues like the, right. you know, the friends league that I did the other night, like I, I didn't even consider drafting him because I know I can pick him up, you know, this week and I, I already have a claim in. Um, I knew he wouldn't get drafted, but like in, in some of the other leagues we've done, like he's going, you know, just outside the top 100. In some leagues, you know, like I, I think in, in stake league, Shannon just claimed him for $13, you know, before he's ever even played an NBA game. So I feel like guys like that, like Shangun is certainly in that category as well. Um, whereas like, you know, the true diehards in years past, I felt like you could, you could not necessarily fleece people, but you'd at least have a leg up in terms of claiming these guys. Like that doesn't really exist. And like now you, you kind of have to plan on burning one of your late round picks instead of just relying on, I'm picking those guys up. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I mean, we're in agreement on that where I just I would rather there's a lot of times it's the decision on there's there's two guys and one of them I'm like extremely confident will finish, you know, top 30 or he has finished top 30 like most of the past three years or something like that. And there's someone else that people are hoping is a top 30 player uh, that hasn't proven it yet. And that they're just taking them there. It's just like I'd rather go with the production that I'm pretty confident is there. Like people regress, right? Like there's a, there's a chance you grab someone that you think is going to be a the 30th best player and they end up being the 45th. But I don't know. I think those situations are sometimes easier to predict than, than the breakouts. Yeah, no, I mean, I think just the age, age related decline, uh, which although I will argue in recent years, I feel like that's been harder to predict. You know, like I, I remember like two years ago, I was like, I'm so out on Chris Paul. It's over. You know, he's going to play. We're lucky if he plays 50 games every year, the, the rest of the way. And like, that's gone completely the other way. You know, it's like, I think like LeBron has obviously led that charge. Chris Paul's right behind him. Um, you know, I mean, guys like Mello and like Dwight Howard aren't, aren't necessarily like fantasy relevant, but, you know, still are, you know, contributing players this late into their thirties. 
Um, I, I feel like the conventional wisdom, I mean, even Lowry, I think, is in that category, too. Like, the conventional wisdom with, like, this player is this age, so he'll no longer be good. I don't know if that really applies anymore. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I mean, so many guys, like Lowry, for example, he's still going to hit a ton of threes, and he's going to get his assists. So, I don't know. I think, um, I'm again, I'm, I'm upset I didn't get any of those, like, sexier names, but... I still think my teams are good, so I, I can't really be that bad. Yeah, I, I feel good about my teams being competitive. I There are a few teams that I, I feel like have a chance to actually win the league, but there aren't any, like, disasters. Like, I've come away from drafts in the past and been like, yikes, I, I have some major work to do here. <laughs> like, I, I at least feel like I'm going to be in competition, and if I make the right in-season moves, I'll be I'll be in good shape. Um, like, I, I was looking back at one of, my, one of my drafts from, I think it was last year even, and I, I had, like, I think I took Ben Simmons in the second round and like, I, like by the end of the year, I think I didn't have my second, fifth, sixth, seventh or eighth round pick on the roster. Even oh like they, they'd either all been traded or, or waived. Like it was just a, that was a Kevin Love draft, of course. Um, wow. it, it was a complete disaster. Uh, did you end up with Jokic in any leagues? I did not. No, no, I didn't have the, didn't have the first pick in any leagues. Didn't, uh, feel like bidding him up in, in yeah. salary cap leagues. No, no, me neither. I mean, I it, he I think he went for appropriate dollar value in every salary cap league we did. Like there wasn't one where I felt like anybody got a good deal on him. It's like I, whatever you get him for, it's still going to be productive. But I, you know, he I think he was going for a high enough dollar value that it wasn't worth you know burning half your budget. Right. The Rotowire NBA podcast is brought to you by Vivid Seats. Preseason basketball has wrapped up, and we're ready for the regular season to tip off this week. Live events are making a comeback, and there's no better place to be than Vivid Seats to get back into the action. So grab your NBA tickets and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Man, that feels good to say. Even better, Vivid Seats just launched a new and improved rewards program with free tickets for every single fan. Earn rewards, ticket upgrades, and perks just for shopping with Vivid Seats. If you're looking for tickets to the game, your favorite artist, or that new show that everyone is talking about, Vivid Seats has it all. Visit vividseats.com, that's V-I-V-I-D-S-E-A-T-S, vividseats.com, or download the Vivid Seats app today. Vivid Seats, life happens live. All right, let's talk uh, Let's talk Lakers, Warriors, and Bucks, Nets, and then we'll, we'll, we'll preview tonight's slate and get out of here. I thought the Bucks looked fantastic last night. I, I don't think there's much room for debate. You know, you beat the Nets by 20 points on ring night. And you never really know how these games are going to go. You know, when you when you get the ring, sometimes you get a, a sluggish kind of hangover type of performance. Other times, you know, it's like last night where the Bucks, you know, felt like they were playing an Eastern Conference Finals game and and kind of just blitzed Brooklyn from the start. And this game I felt like was closer than it should have been. And like if Patty Mills doesn't go seven of seven from three, like the way that Milwaukee played in the first quarter, like you look at the scoreboard and I'm like, I feel like they should be up 25 and they were only up like seven or eight. Uh, like Durant got off to a slow start. I thought Harden actually looked pretty good. Um, you know, he he kind of heated up as the game went on. Obviously, has chemistry uh, with Nicholas Claxton, who I thought gave them a good game. But man, I mean, d- despite losing Drew Holiday, and and you said it off air, I felt the same way. I didn't even notice. You know, until later on, they tweeted out that he won't return. I I just assumed he was like getting a long rest. Um, you know, you're down Drew Holiday for basically the entire game. No Bobby Portis, no Semi Ojale, no Rodney Hood, no Divincenzo, and. You know, the, the, I, I think this this kind of goes along with our belief that the Bucks are deeper than ever and, and potentially top to bottom a better roster even than last year. Yeah, I thought the Nets, they kind of seemed out of sync to me. Not really sure how to like put my finger on it exactly. But yeah, Patty Mills seemed like the only person playing with like real urgency. Yeah, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge definitely looked like someone who medically retired last year and then decided to come back. Like he was just bricking free throws. Um, he's one for four from the free throw line, over two from the field. Just did not look comfortable. Um, I don't know. I mean, Hargan only had four free throws. Duran only had six free throws. Like, you know, they weren't they weren't getting a log at the basket. But you mentioned it. Yeah, like the Bucks. Bucks looked great. Losing Holiday, obviously a concern. But Grayson Allen looked really good. Joined the starting lineup. Had six assists, two steals, um, no turnovers. And uh, Jorgen Nuwara seems like he's actually a rotation player. Yeah, the second the coming of Nick Young. I know, right? Um, you know, Giannis was still making some, like, questionable decisions, just running straight into people. But, like, how much can we even care about that anymore? You know, he finished with 32, 14, and 7 with a steal and two blocks. So it kind of just is what it is. 
Um, seven of nine for the free throw line, by the way, from Giannis, whose jumper yeah. actually looks improved. I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a stretch to say his jumper is cleaner, um, less like two motion mechanical. So, I mean, I've, I've hopes for that at least. Yeah, I, I thought Giannis, you, know, you mentioned he had a few sloppy plays early on. He was way too jacked up for this game. Yeah, like, he I was know. just like, he was just like getting to the rim and like just playing volleyball with himself. Basically, he had 12 field goal attempts in like seven minutes in the first quarter. Um, but he was, I mean, he was by far the highest energy guy on the floor. Like you said, Brooklyn was was really sluggish. Um, again, I thought Harden looked fine. KD, I don't know. Once Brooklyn fell behind, it felt like Durant was just starting to take, like, get it all back at once type of shots. You know, just like one pass, jack up a contested three. Um, and of course, because he's Kevin Durant, he still cruises his way to, to 32 and 11 on a night when it felt like he really didn't play well at all. Um, so I, I do think the Nets are going to be fine. But I mean, it's clear that without Kyrie, they're they're definitely missing something. I mean, they they built this team to be extremely top heavy, and Kyrie's salary still counts against the cap. Like, it's not like that just opens up to go to go sign someone else. Um, you know, by virtue when you build a a big three style team, you're not going to have a ton of depth. And when you take one of those guys away, I, I think it was clear. Like, to me, like Brooklyn did not seem like the team that is the fairly heavy favorite to win the title. Like, if anything, I, I feel like Milwaukee looked like that team. And, and Brooklyn didn't go into this game with that kind of swagger. I agree. I mean, I think they have good depth. And it's funny because a lot of people mentioned that the Lakers depth is old, right? Like, it's just a ton of old guys. All the, But the, I mean, the Nets depth, uh, Blake Griffin, who has the knees of a 40-year-old. Uh, you have Millsap, James Johnson, LaMarcus Aldridge. Patty Mills is yeah. even old, even though he plays like he's 20 years old. Um, Bruce Brown was like a DNP essentially. He only got garbage time. Yeah, um, that was weird. Cam Thomas also only got garbage time. So, I mean, I do like the depth, but it is it is old depth, and so there are. I think there are just going to be some nights where they are kind of flat. And if you know, if neither Durant nor Harden can have a dominant performance, it's not like when I mean, you're not going to feed Lamarcus Aldridge in the post and try to give him 20 points, I guess anymore. So yeah. it's like someone has to, someone else has to step up, and it's. In theory, it's Blake Griffin, right? Like, he should be right. that guy. But I don't know if he, I get, he exactly has that in him anymore. I think a lot of the net step is theoretical. It's like you like the idea right. of Blake Griffin in a reduced role and the idea of Patty Mills on this team. And, and he played well, so he's, he's fine. He's absolved of this. But, you know, same thing with Aldridge, same thing with Millsap. I mean, Paul Millsap played five minutes in this game. Like, you know, when, when they signed him, it was like, oh, my God, Paul Millsap is going to go get to play for the Nets. It's like... You know, it's very possible that Paul Millsap just isn't that good anymore, and he's really old. Um, yeah, you know, I think he's, he's like he's a bigger name than you know. I don't try to think. I don't know some like league average power forward X. You know, twenty eight year old power forward. Paul Millsap's name has more credibility, but at this stage, is he really more valuable? I don't really know. Um, you know, Bruce Brown. People were really excited about him. Like you said, he was essentially a DNP. Same with Cam Thomas. Like the idea of Cam Thomas is like. You know, the Nets were able to steal this guy at the end of the first round. All he does is score. He's going to be perfect for them. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, he's not even in the rotation right now. So, you know, maybe he develops into a better player as the season goes on. But uh, a lot of these things in the preseason are, you know, it's, it's easy to, to map it out on paper of like why it's going to be so great. Uh, and then you see it in practice and things don't always go as planned. But um, it is just one night. I, I think if you're the Bucks, you got to be encouraged, um, especially the way that they they played this team with with you know Durant and or with Harden and Kyrie banged up last year like that that was like almost an even fight so to see I think I think for Milwaukee it's kind of a moral victory to be down a few guys and still blow the nets out when they're when two of their stars are healthy um you know if Kyrie comes back maybe that presents some more issues uh for Milwaukee but um I, I don't know I mean does, does this make you feel any differently about you know like the nets over under like obviously you don't want to read into one game too much but you know, especially the, the concerns with their depth. Like, does, does that make you feel any differently about how this regular season goes, at least for Brooklyn? Yeah, I mean, I'm somewhat like I I thought, you know, like I would rather be holding the the Nets championship ticket than the Nets over wins. Right. right. Like, I think you I don't even think it'd be crazy for you to be like, I'm going to take the Nets under in the regular season and then the championship. Uh, yeah, we, we've seen plenty of teams pull that off. Yeah. So but yeah, I, I am a little worried, you know, kind of seeing this depth in person, I think. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't experiment with Cam Thomas more and Bruce Brown. Like, I didn't think Javon Carter was giving them anything. Like, I know Javon Carter has this, like, defensive reputation, but he was just doing that thing where he was, like, kind of getting in guys' face and then a screen would come and then it, like, didn't matter anymore. 
or like Chris Middleton would post him up and he was like, well, Javon Carter's like six, two. So that doesn't matter. Um, so I feel like he was kind of being like overplayed by Nash and he went minus 29, by the way. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think this team could, could go under and we're not even talking about, I mean, this is before we're even talking about like Durant, you know, I don't even pencil Durant in for more than 65 games this season. So, yeah. I also think that this team doesn't necessarily expect to go win 70 games. You know, I think they're like, they're not going to panic if they don't. I think they're just, just get us to the playoffs and, and we'll take it from there type of mode, which uh, it's not ideal. I mean, especially if you're, if you're like a fan of the team, it's really frustrating, but we've also seen it work, uh, especially for these top heavy teams that have guys who've, who've been through these battles before. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Everybody is piling on the Lakers this morning, especially piling on Westbrook. He was horrific in this game. I'm going to join them in that. But I I will say, like, the Lakers, I think the Lakers look better than I thought they would, uh, which speaks (laughs) to what my expectations were. Like, LeBron looked amazing in this game. Anthony Davis looked awesome. This was the best game Anthony Davis has played in a long time. And that's saying a lot because he went two of seven at the line and one of five from three, but he was still dominating this game inside. I, I thought from start to finish, I, I thought the Lakers, I mean, the Lakers led by double digits um, late in the third quarter in this game. And I, I felt like they just started becoming a little careless with possessions um, and, and kind of let this game slip away. But I mean, this was a game that the Lakers controlled for like 85% of it. And, you know, it's not like the Warriors are are the defending champions or anything here, but I, I, I really think LA looked at least the top two guys looked better than I expected. Based on what we saw in the preseason, I, I really thought it would be more convoluted. I, I thought LeBron would have a little more trouble picking his spots. Uh, really, it was just, you know, you're, you're obviously very concerned about about the Westbrook component of it. But I don't know, like considering who else was on the floor for this team, like did you really expect Carmelo Anthony to go off? Did you really expect Kent Bazemore to make a huge difference? Yeah, I mean, well, one of my, one of my bets from yesterday was what Russell Westbrook over three and a half turnovers which he hit with yeah, four. I mean, um, but I mean, kind of surprising that he hit that considering he felt completely invisible out there, at least to me, yeah. like he, he really looked like a role player out there, like without question. Like there was, if you didn't know who Russell Westbrook was, you would not even, it would mean nothing to you. Like what he was doing out there. Um, yeah. I mean, LeBron was really aggressive from three. He was hitting those ridiculous post-up turnaround fadeaways yep. that he must just practice for like two hours a day. Um, and they looked fine. I, it's just starting DeAndre Jordan was weird. Um, you know, it, 
Monk didn't necessarily play that well. Avery Bradley was like a really nice spark for them late in the game. He probably should have got more minutes. Um, You know, the Rondo Westbrook thing is weird because Rondo and Westbrook shared the court a lot together. But in my opinion, like, I think you you want Rondo to play with uh, Anthony Davis because I feel like Rondo and Anthony Davis have insane chemistry. Like, I feel like those are the guys like that's the guy you want running the pick and roll with him. Mm -hmm. Um, Just a lot of bizarre rotations for me for from the Lakers. And I I don't know this. I didn't expect them to lose. I thought they would win this game. I just straight up like I did. I the amount of talent that they have, they should not have lost. But um, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the execution was terrible throughout the entire fourth quarter. And to be fair, I mean, the Warriors were hitting a ton of tough shots down the stretch. Um, You know, over overall, the Lakers ended up hitting more threes. Uh, than Golden State, which I think is fairly encouraging, although you don't necessarily want five of those coming from LeBron. You probably don't want him taking 11 threes in most games. But, I mean, Damian Lee, Bielitsa, uh, Juan Toscano-Anderson, Otto Porter, uh, Andrew Wiggins had the final dagger. Like, all those guys, Jordan Poole, were were hitting big shots down the stretch, um, which I think is really encouraging for Golden State because, you know, most of these guys are are fairly unproven. Uh, Bielitsa especially. I, I thought it was insane. I mean, he Bielitsa, I would say, was the third or fourth best player on the court tonight. He finished with 15 and 11. He was a plus 20. Um, had a couple of really nice defensive possessions on LeBron where you, you kind of just forget how like how much of a load Bielitsa is. And like I, I think LeBron had a couple times where he he was kind of like either expecting a foul or thought that Bielitsa would bounce off of him. And it turned out that it was LeBron bouncing off of Bielitsa. Uh, there was one late turnover uh, that, that Bielitsa caused that, that was kind of close to the final nail in the coffin. For the Lakers, so I don't know. I like I said, I honestly I, I'm fairly encouraged by what I saw from the Lakers. I, I expected disastrous results, and I thought they looked like a pretty good team and scored the ball with a little more ease than I expected through the first three quarters. I, my one question on this though is like, is there really a solution for the Westbrook problem? Because you watched last night, and you know he took a couple spot up threes, which is like jarring to see because you you never see Russell Westbrook just like catch and shoot from the corner, but like the jump shot is so broken, and we have what, like 12 years now, if not more, 15 <laughs> years worth of evidence that it's extremely broken. Like, I just, I don't know, I don't know what the solution is, you know, and and in years past, he's been able to, you know, mid-season kind of find a way to score, but it, it usually takes like the team fully adjusting to clear things out for him. I don't think the Lakers have that luxury based on their personnel. It, he's not magically just going to become a better shooter. Like, what is, what do you do if you're the Lakers? Because he's, he's Russell Westbrook and it, like it or not, he's kind of entitled to a certain role in a certain amount of minutes. Like you can't just, I, like I can't imagine a scenario where he's like not playing the final eight minutes of fourth quarters. Yeah, I think. I mean, the only season that Westbrook was really that uh, like a good shooter was the MVP year, where he shot thirty four percent from three and eighty four percent for the free throw line. But that was just fueled by spite. Like right. he was just he was his it was efficiency fueled by spite. He doesn't have any spite left, so his efficiency is is just gone. Um, it's a problem because I think I think there's a, a real shot that the Lakers finish bottom five in both free throw percentage and three three point percentage because yeah. you have Westbrook and LeBron. I mean LeBron's a volume three point shooter. He's not great, but like, I, and what's your path at that point to you know to a title? Um, I don't know if a team has ever won the title or even been to the finals with those metrics. But you're right about Westbrook. I just don't know. I just don't know, man. He was completely invisible out there. I don't know yeah. what his role is on this team. He was out there a lot, like I mentioned, with Rondo. That makes no sense. Yeah. Um, he was he was a team worst minus twenty three. <sighs> it was it was awful. He had half the bad. fantasy points of Demonio Bielitsa. Like I, yeah. yeah, it was bad. It was really bad. I mean, I, if there's one thing you could point to, I guess as a as a positive for the Lakers, it's that they should look they should look a little bit better at least when Horton Tucker, Nunn, and Ellington are healthy. You know, none of those three guys played, and and especially Nunn and uh, and Ellington. I think will go a long way toward helping that spacing. Like you're you're going to see fewer Rondo Westbrook minutes when those guys are healthy, but at the same time, it's not like any of those guys are all stars. You know, you're you're counting on pretty average role players to to make a, an above average difference for this team, and and I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, my last note on Westbrook is, like you said, he was invisible. I felt like coming out of the half, like he knew he was playing badly. I don't know if he like checked his phone at halftime, but it, it felt like he was like second guessing himself on the fly. You know, like he was just like driving into nowhere. He would like he would like cross over right to left and like, you know, take really two quick steps, but not toward the basket. Like he was just kind of dribbling aimlessly, like Harlem Globetrotter style around the half court. And like guys are setting picks for him and he's like not really using them. Like it was, it was really bizarre to watch. And I I think he, 
I think he realized that it wasn't working very well and like just couldn't really come up with a solution on the fly. That doesn't surprise me because, I mean, he's been the focal point of his team's offense or like one to two main focal points for basically his entire career in offenses that were just like your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. Right. And now he's on a team where, you know, they're like LeBron is is the number one guy. And it's not an offense where Westbrook is going to like they're not going to alternate having their turn. And you got to get AD involved as a pick and roll partner. And the spacing is bad. So, yeah, there's just gonna be a lot of times where it's like I think he. He's so used to like 10 plus years of kind of like the floor space for him or like you have Kendrick Perkins, the dunker spot or something. And now it's just kind of all over the place. And I think he's just like you mentioned, kind of lost on the court. Like he's he's making these moves that he's used to and no one's where they're supposed to be uh, in his head. And so he just I think for better or for worse, just kind of decided to maybe start floating. And he was I mean, he's still crashing the boards and stuff like that, but there's only so much he can do. It's going to be really interesting on Friday night. The Lakers play uh, their, their home against Phoenix. Um, and I mean, if they play that same game they played last night, you're, you're going to lose that one by probably 20 plus. So that, that'll be, I think, almost a better test um, because opening night can be really weird sometimes. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Warriors lost by like 40 on opening night last year. I don't think anybody thinks the Bucks are a like 23 point better team than the Nets. Um, but I mean, if, if L.A. comes out and Russ, Russ looks terrible, and they get blown out by Phoenix. Um, I don't know. I, I think you can kind of maybe not sound the alarms, but at least prepare to do that at some point. Um, let's just look at tonight's slate real quickly. We won't go game by game or anything, but just uh, overall uh, matchups you're looking forward to, players you're looking to seeing uh, for the first time. Potentially, we don't get Kate Cunningham, unfortunately, in yeah. Bulls Pistons tonight. Um, sounds like he might miss a couple games to begin the year, uh, but he's essentially day to day. We do get Jalen Green debuting at Minnesota. Uh, we get year two Anthony Edwards. We get Josh Giddy at Utah. Evan Mobley and the Cavs are in Memphis. Uh, where's your attention going to be tonight? It's a lot. Like you mentioned, it's kind of overwhelming. Like a it ton of rookies who really are in good, a ton of rookies who are in good situations are going to play a ton of minutes tonight. Um, like you mentioned, some sophomores. Um, I, I think it's funny. I was looking at the lines for today. Bulls are five point favorites. When I looked at that line in early October, they were two point favorites. And I was like, this is the dumbest line I've ever seen. Please take, please lay the points for the bulls. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, they could win by 20 tonight. Killian Hay is also someone that's, that's interesting tonight. Um, I don't know. I mean, Cleveland, I think is a, a disaster waiting to happen. And I saw a tweet today. Sounds like Laurie Markkinen's going to start the three, and they're considering starting Okoro at the two as a long-term option and bringing Colin Sexton off the bench. Like, I think about what you're saying when you said, like, you're going to run out a starting lineup of Darius Garland, Isaac Okoro, Laurie Markkinen, Evan Mobley, Jerry Allen. Like, that's the most preposterous thing I've ever heard. That would be probably the worst five-man lineup in terms of three-point shooting <laughs> in the mo- modern NBA history. I don't know, like... Darius Garland has the he's a good three point shooter, but he has the ball. Okoro can't shoot. Markin and Zaga position at the three. Uh, Mobley doesn't shoot threes or didn't in the preseason, and Jerry Allen doesn't shoot threes. Like, what is that lineup? Like, and you're gonna bring a Colin Sexton, the guy who scores 25 points a game with good efficiency, off the bench? Like, what your team is trash? What are you doing? Um, I I'm fully convinced this is gonna be another very Cavs year for the Cavs. I, I think Mobley looked really good toward the end of preseason. I, I think you know that certainly looks like that pick's gonna pay off, but. Yeah, man. I mean, to, to be fair, I guess like Sexton kind of fell to them. That was the year after, you know, I think they acquired, that was like the, was it the Celtics pick or the Nets pick uh, that, that LeBron like desperately wanted them to trade for someone. And they're like, no, we got to hold it for Colin Sexton. And I, I mean, it, it was, I feel like it was never like anybody viewed him as like the savior. So I, I don't think it would be the end of the world if you trade him, but still pretty disappointing um, where it feels like you're just on this treadmill. Like they're no closer really right now, unless Evan Mobley proves himself to be like the next Anthony Davis. Um, they're really no closer to contending now than they were the day LeBron signed with the Lakers. I know, but I, I don't know, man. Sexting is, is actually a good player and he's 20, he's 22 years old and he's already proven to be like an efficient scorer, 20 points a game, like improved passer every year. Like, I just don't know what you're doing. Like, if you want to get rid of him, just get rid of him. Like bring him off the bench unless he's still going to play like 35 minutes. I don't know. Um, I think the, uh, this is like. It's the most boring game just from a basketball perspective, but Orlando San Antonio will be like the first week waiver wire matchup of the century. Like, I don't know what either of these teams rotations look like. Yeah. And I think we're going to find out like how good is Mobamba? Uh, is Jalen Suggs even like, what is, 
is Jalen Suggs as bad as he looked in preseason? Like, how many shots is Doug McDermott going to take? Is Thad Young actually going to play for this team? Like, I think there are there's actually some intriguing stuff going on in that game just from a fantasy perspective, but no one's actually going to watch it. Yeah, they had four different lineups, Orlando did, during the preseason in four different games. Uh, they had, you know, multiple guys starting at every position. I, you know, we I was talking to you this morning, like, we set our expected lineup for the site, and, like, I fully expect this to be completely wrong. Like they could, they could pick any guy on their depth chart at any position. Like they could, they could start Robin Lopez and Franz Wagner in the front court. And I'd be like, that's weird, but it's not that surprising. Right. You know, you, yeah, you're, you're bringing Carter off the bench. I don't know, man. They um, just got to get a look at him. Yeah. I mean, they, well, they, I mean, they signed Wendell Carter uh, to that extension, which is, I think actually a good deal for both teams, but um, Yeah. There's just, I mean, there's just so much going on tonight. Yeah, yeah, there really is. And a lot of it is weighted toward the early window. I think of the of the 11 games tonight, eight of them start at 7.30 or earlier. Uh, so you really only have three games, OKC, Utah, Denver, Phoenix, and Sacramento, Portland in that late window. I, I am looking forward to seeing OKC. They're absolutely in that Orlando zone where you have one really good player and everybody else is kind of still up in the air. Um, it, I mean, the, the SGA, Dort, Giddy backcourt I think it's going to be really fun to watch I also think that there this could be one of those games where you look at the scores at halftime and it's like Utah 81 OKC 37 yeah I'm I'm really interested in Giddy because he was really good during the preseason he was someone I was kind of hesitant on uh coming uh, out of the draft but even if he looks bad today not that worried about it because Utah is a regular season machine so this is a really tough test for him um and then I don't know what's going on with Derek Favors like, there's a chance Derek Favors plays 28 minutes a game and is, like, a top 90, top 80 fantasy player, and, like, you have to get him off of waivers. And then sometime in February, there's, like, a, a team release where it's, like, Derek Favors has to, you know, like, the, the Oklahoma City Thunder sent Derek Favors home or, like, traded him to Team X for, like, two second-round draft picks. Um, yeah. So that's, I mean, obviously their team is extremely bizarre, but um, should be interesting. Yeah, man, you said it. These these big slates are really fun, especially early on when you get to see everybody at once, but a little overwhelming as well, especially for for those in, in our industry. It's a lot to keep track of, but uh, it's been fun so far. Last night was great. Everything went smoothly. I hope you guys are checking out uh, all the content on rotowire.com. Uh, our lineups page is fully updated. Our, our DFS projections are fully updated. We added some new tools uh, this season. Uh, and of course, we'll have the pod three times per week. We're going to a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule uh, this year. So last year we were kind of all over the map. It was basically a, whenever we have time, we'll do an episode, uh, but we're going to try to stick to a, a, a pretty rigid Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I think that'll give us kind of the, the most blanketed coverage throughout the week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.